0: Here it is!
1: From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, when you um, announce in advance that uh, the basic goal of your project is to make the existing financial system obsolete, you're going to kind of expect a little punch back from the existing financial system. Especially if, um, if you're like the crypto business. Yes, it's crypto winter. And top U.S. banking regulators have issued a fresh warning to banks to be on guard for any liquidity risks from Cryptocurrency-related clients cautioning that some of their deposits, according to Reuters, could prove volatile. Translation, don't put your money over there, put your money over here. In a joint statement, the Federal Reserve Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation Office of the Comptroller of the Currency i said comp said banks should have robust t- oh but by the way volatility when they said the deposits could prove volatile that means your money could go away uh anyway they said banks should have robust tools in place to monitor funds placed by crypto asset related entities the agencies noted deposits placed with banks for the benefit of crypto consumers as well as stable coin reserves could be subjected to quote rapid outflows unquote that means money go away money go bye bye regulators said the new statement was spurred by recent events in the crypto sector that highlighted Tom volatility risks what was that? volatility volatility risks, yes, thank you while they noted the statement does not include new requirements. Banks are not prohibited from providing services to particular sectors. It does mark the latest in a series of moves from bank regulators urging caution in any crypto dealings. This is the first time bank regulators have highlighted deposits linked to stable coins, that's a type of cryptocurrency, typically pegged to the U.S. dollar. Why would they do that? Why would they peg it to the U.S. dollar? They're an opponent of the U.S. dollar, aren't they? Isn't that wild? Uh, As susceptible to volatility during periods of stress in the crypto market. Most of the major stablecoins, they include Tether and USD coin, are supposedly asset-backed, meaning the stablecoin issuer holds assets that can quickly be redeemed to meet withdrawal requests but regulators expressing concerns about the stability of those reserves could cause banks to further examine their relationship with stablecoin firms. The statement noted stablecoin reserves could see large and rapid outflows in cases of unanticipated stablecoin redemptions and turmoil in crypto markets. Well, that'll never happen. So, yes, the banks... And the bank regulators are saying, don't look at us, look at them. We are not having a winter. They are. Hello, welcome to the show.
2: A tocar uma canção assim, para ouvir quando você chegar. Pra fazer você gostar de mim, pra fazer você se apaixonar. Pra regar as flores no jardim, para ouvir sempre que faz calor. Para refrescar um dia azul, tanto fácil é uma canção de amor. Tudo bem, não é bossa, mambo, rock and roll ou samba jazz vai saber, pro silêncio completar o som, pra torcida quando grita cor, pra galera que só quer viver feliz, pra você que vem dançar no show, pra voltar ao tema no final, pra dizer tudo que eu tinha pra falar. Tocar uma canção assim Para ouvir quando você chegar Para fazer você gostar de mim Para fazer você se apaixonar Para pegar as flores no jardim Para ouvir sempre que faz calor Para refrescar um dia azul Tanto fácil é uma canção de amor Tudo bem Não é passar mambo, roguem, samba roçambadier i Pra torcida quando grita com Pra galera que só quer viver feliz Pra você que vem dançar no chão Pra voltar ao tema no final Pra dizer tudo que eu tinha pra falar Assim, para ouvir quando você chegar Para fazer você gostar de mim Para fazer você se apaixonar Para regar as flores no jardim Para ouvir sempre que faz calor Para refrescar um dia azul Tanto faz ser uma canção de amor Tudo bem Não é passar mambo, rock and roll samba de é.
1: Santa Monica, California, the home of the homeless. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. Now, ladies and gentlemen.
0: He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He peeks at no stoops. He's an inspector general.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, this should answer some questions about why America's longest war took so long and smelled so bad. When the Afghan military and government collapsed in the summer of 2021, it was the worst failure of the U.S. defense establishment since the fall of Saigon. We do it every 20 years or so. U.S. has moved on, but the question of why the world's most powerful nation failed to build a capable Afghan military, not yet fully answered until now. Perhaps a new report by the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, the SEGAR. It's issued a new report this week, as I say, and it sheds critical light on what went so terribly wrong in America's longest war and how tens of thousands of ordinary Afghans, there are such, they are not. They're all extraordinary. Sorry. We're set up by their leaders and foreign partners to fight and die for a doomed cause. Quote, the r- real damning thing about what is in the report is that people had been telling the US military this for years. Unquote. The uh, report is called Why the Afghan Security Forces Collapsed. It uh, paints a picture of the US government's effort to construct an Afghan military from scratch over two decades should be long enough. As in many other U.S. conflicts, this enterprise relied heavily on contractors and advisors who themselves were, quote, poorly trained and experienced for their mission, unquote, according to the Sigar report. Among other tasks, contractors would often run log- logistics systems and direct airstrikes on behalf of the Afghans. This according to a report in The Intercept. The American mission over there had been to build an army that could stand on its own feet to resist the Taliban. In the end, however, the Afghan military was not only riddled with corruption. If corruption can be a riddle. But also designed to function properly only so long as the foreign contractors and soldiers remained around to manage it. And we know they didn't. And were never supposed to. And in fact, similar to its disastrous experience in South Vietnam, the United States had attempted to build an army suitable for a modern industrialized country, well, like us, rather than one that would fit the realities of a poor agrarian state like, I guess, Kansas. The uh, types of security forces that we were trying to build, which were relatively sophisticated and relied on advanced technology and electronics logistics systems, were just not within the general capacity of what Afghanistan would be able to use in sustainable ways, said Jonathan Schroden. An Afghanistan expert at the Center for Naval Analyses, a nonprofit military research and analysis center in Virginia, quote, The real damning thing about what is in the report is that people have been telling the U.S. military this for years, unquote. Afghans weren't blameless in this debacle. Ethnic and political divisions within the government revealed and resulted in competent commanders being shuffled out of roles, in favor of individuals connected to Kabul-based power brokers. Corruption at elite levels was endemic. The notorious issue of ghost soldiers, conscripts who existed only as budget line items but not as flesh-and-blood service members in the field, continued to dog the Afghan military to its last days. Not to mention ghost dogs. That's a whole other thing. Yet the oft repeated claim that the Afghan military itself did not fight the Taliban proved untrue. Tens of thousands of Afghans died fighting the Taliban, confirming the war and continuing it until the fight became futile. The Seagar report outlined another reason for U.S. failure in Afghanistan that should be relevant to any future foreign conflicts or nation-building enterprises that the U.S. conceives? The war went on too long. (laughs) Now they tell us. I could have told you that year three. The report says that, quote, the length of the U.S. commitment was disconnected from a realistic understanding of the time required to build a self-sustaining security sector. Unquote. For a period lasting more than a decade up until the final withdrawal, U.S. political leaders, recognizing how unpopular the war was at home, as casualties mounted and little progress was made on the battlefield, began drawing up timelines for when they, U.S. political leaders, would head for the exits. What's more, the uh, Center for Naval Analysis expert pointed out, highlighted In the SEGAR report, was U.S. government personnel and contractors rotating in and out of the country on short shifts, leading them to repeat the same mistakes as their predecessors every few years. Despite the length, the U.S. continued its long commitment without any realistic prospect of success on the horizon. Sounds like my career. The half-in-half-out approach to the war was unconducive, inconducive, Really? To a lasting victory over the Taliban that pushed neighboring countries like Pakistan and Iran to hedge their bets and bide their time? Is that what Pakistan was doing? We were told they were playing a double game. I told you that. And most importantly, the short time frames involved made it almost certain that Afghan security forces would not have time to develop the solid institutional structure they would need to survive indefinitely. Even had their training been effective. Given the fundamentally flawed approach the U.S. had taken to building up the Afghan military, spending another two decades occupying Afghanistan and then withdrawing on the same terms would have been unlikely to lead to a very different outcome. So the withdrawal agreement negotiated in Qatar by the U.S. and the Taliban in 20 did finally put an end to an endeavor that had already been failing for many years. Quote, the Taliban in D.C., that is to say Washington, that is to say the United States, ultimately wanted the same thing, which was American troops to leave. Unquote, Adam Weinstein, a research fellow at the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft and a former U.S. Marine in Afghanistan. The conditions of the final agreement were not as important as leaving the country as soon as possible, he says. Makes you proud, doesn't it? Makes you bust your buttons. And another report from another inspector general about a subject we were talking about earlier. Crypto. Some oil and gas drillers operating on U.S. public lands are diverting natural gas to power cryptocurrency mining operations, according to Reuters, which you'd say, okay, so they're not paying the federal government the royalties they should be. That's according to the Interior Department's Office of Inspector General. The uh, department, which oversees oversees 420 million acres of federal lands, uh, has been advised by the inter- Inspector General to address the rise. ...of an industry that may operate unnoticed in its vast territory, that is to say crypto. Mining cryptocurrency, you probably know by this point, requires huge amounts of electricity to power computers... ...that compete to solve increasingly complex mathematical puzzles to validate transactions, actually, to create new crypto coins... Processes have drawn criticism from environmentalists and governments that worry about its heavy reliance on climate warming fossil fuels to create electricity. In its report, the IG said crypto mining units in Colorado had been located on or near federal lands leased for oil and gas development and were diverting gas from those leases. I was diverting gas earlier today, but that's another story. The mobile units may be undetected for long periods of time by federal officials responsible for overseeing very large areas of public land, according to the report. Quote, these activities generate revenues for private companies using federally owned gas at times without the leaseholder paying mineral royalties, unquote the report. The issue was raised by the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, It told the IG that the crypto operations may pose environmental and health and safety risks and could be underinsured for accidents. Whoops! uh-oh. In its response to the IG, the Interior Department said it would take action to inform the staff of the threats outlined in the report and work with agency officials to, to discuss how guidance could be crafted for the department. Wow, that's a commitment. We'll work with agency officials to discuss how guidance could be crafted. Wow. Hold them back. And now... Well, you know about the uh, the new computer programs powered by uh, artificial intelligence, chatbots of various sorts that uh, have been all the rage in the last few months. Uh, this week, Snapchat announced one of its own, an AI-powered conversational chatbot called My AI. It's coming out why uh, this very week, according to uh, press release from Snap, users will be able to personalize it by giving it a custom name. Conversations with it will take place in a similar interface to a regular chat with a human. "Quote the big idea is that in addition to talking to our friends and fa- friends and family every day, we're going to talk to AI every day," according to Snap CEO Evan Spiegel. In his particular fever dream, but unlike its uh, GPT-powered cousins Chat GPT and Bing Chat, which we talked about last week, Snap says my AI is prone to hallucinations, which are unexpected falsehoods generated by an AI model. Snap included this. Disclaimer, in its announcement post, quote, As with all AI-powered chatbots, my AI is prone to hallucination and can be tricked into saying just about anything. Please be aware of its many deficiencies and sorry in advance. All conversations with my AI will be stored and may be reviewed to improve the product experience. Please do not share any secrets with my AI. And do not rely on it for advice. Unquote. You have been warned. As have I. And even if you don't know anyone who has used BetterHelp's services, podcast fans will recognize it from its annoying advertisements for its online therapists. BetterHelp? Yeah, online therapists. American, this is according to the Register of the British Tech Journal. American regulators allege the company's relationship with the advertising industry is more perverse than a irritating, an irritating jingle, claiming it betrayed loyalties that should lie with customers by passing on their mental health info to Facebook, the aforementioned Snapchat, and others. The FTC has asked the company to pay $7.8 million, asked, Requested, maybe told, and slapped a ban on it, sharing customers' health data with advertisers in a proposed settlement. Settlement will resolve a complaint from last year that claimed BetterHelp pushed users to complete an unskippable questionnaire in order to obtain mental health services. It then passed on that the info from that questionnaire to Facebook and other good people to promote its services. BetterHelp, whose business boomed during the COVID lockdown, has denied wrongdoing and claimed in a statement that it merely used, quote, industry standard practice, routinely used by some of the largest health providers, health systems, and healthcare brands, unquote. And that's supposed to be reassuring. According to the complaint, users were told by BetterHelp, Rest assured any information provided in this questionnaire will stay private between you and your counselor. That, that didn't turn out to be true. The company is alleged to have compiled lists of visitors' and users' email addresses, which it uploaded to uh, Facebook to match individuals to their Facebook user accounts in order to target them and others like them with ads and is alleged to have later retargeted them with advertisements to refer their Facebook friends to the service. Quote the uh, FTC filing, these harms were not reasonably avoidable by consumers. It was effectively impossible for visitors and users to know that BetterHelp was using and disclosing their health information for advertising purposes because respondent, BetterHelp, actively concealed the practices through repeated misrepresentations and a lack of notice. Indeed, numerous users expressed outrage about the disclosures upon learning of them, unquote. Of course, they had mental health problems, so they were probably easily outraged. The FTC also noted that BetterHelp prominently displayed a seal that attested to purported compliance with the HIPAA law, which outlines privacy and information security protection that residents can expect for their health information. In addition, the FTC said BetterHelp told consumers it was HIPAA certified with its customer service representatives informing consumers of this. However, quote, no government agency and other third party had reviewed BetterHelp's information practices for compliance with HIPAA, let alone determined that its practices met the requirements of HIPAA. Quote. The 7.8 million from BetterHelp would be used to provide potential refunds to people who signed up for and paid for BetterHelp's services over a three-year period. Says, um, the director of FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection, quote, when a person struggling with mental health issues reaches out for help, they do so in a moment of vulnerability and with an expectation that professional counseling services will protect their privacy. Instead, better help betrayed customers' most personal health inf- information for profit. Let this proposed order be a stout reminder that the FTC, the FTC, will prioritize defending American sensitive data from illegal exploitation. Tom?
3: Illegal, illegal,
1: illegal exploitation. Okay, sounds even stouter when you said it. And speaking of stout, more than half the world's population will be classed as obese or overweight by 2035 if action is not taken. That's uh, BBC News on reporting on a warning from the World Obesity Federation. Who knew? I mean, I knew there was a BBC. More than 4 billion people will be affected. Rates rising fastest among children. Well, everything rises fastest among children, according to its report. This, uh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, put put this in the file of ways that America still leads the world. Because... I think we've been this way for a while. Close, lower-middle-income countries in Africa and Asia are expected to see the greatest rises, according to the report. The uh, report predicts the cost of obesity will amount to more than four trillion dollars annually by 2035. You got to, you got to pay to get fat. The president of the federation. Described the report's findings as a clear warning to countries to act now or risk repercussions in the future. The report highlights the rising rates of obesity among children and teenagers. That'll double from 2020 levels among both boys and girls. At last, there's some equality. Uh, the uh, president of the federation said the trend was particularly worrying. Adding that governments and policymakers around the world need to do all they can to avoid passing health, social, and economic costs on to the younger generation by assessing the systems and root factors that contribute to obesity. And I don't think they include eating root vegetables. So root factor must mean something else. The effects of obesity's prevalence on lower-income countries is also highlighted in the report. Nine of the ten countries with the greatest expected increases in obesity globally are lower-middle-income lower countries in Africa and Asia. Uh, reasons include trends in dietary preferences towards more highly processed foods, greater levels of sedentary behavior, weaker policies to control food supply and marketing, and less well-resourced health care services to assist in weight management and health education. Lower-income countries are often the least able to respond to obesity and its consequences. Least likely to have Jenny Craig. Fighting's estimate that rises in obesity rates around the world will have a significant impact on the global economy, 3% of global gross domestic product. The report emphasizes that its acknowledgement of the economic impact of obesity, quote, is in no way a reflection of blame on people living with obesity, unquote. The report uses body mass index to make its assessments, BMI, in case you didn't know, and I didn't, is calculated by dividing an adult's weight by the square of their height. See, you've learned something already and it's only 30 minutes in. As I say, the United States um, has uh, been a leader on this path. It was, I think, close to 10 years, seven or eight for sure, when um, a new story came out that an increasing number of young American men were too obese to qualify for military service.
0: Well, when it comes down to truculence, the truck don't stop here. I'll cuss out. The bad guy's at the drop of a beer I'll talk up America till dawn's early light Too bad that I'm too fat to fight I joined up with the army on some kind of dare But traveling on my stomach it made people stare Couldn't fit in my bunk, my camo was too tight, turns out I was too fat to fight, that's right, too fat to fight, it ain't it a shame, cause war But our I thought I was eating the American dream. But when my boots disappeared clean out of my sight, I could see I was too fat to fight. Now shooting, parachuting, clean out of a plane. It's not just a job. It's a terrible strain The few and the proud Will carry our might The rest of us are too fat to fight That's right Too fat to fight And it does seem a waste But building up nations Just ain't to our taste got bellicose brains, but our varicose veins mean we're all too fat to fight. Bad time to get off the pot. An army of one, maybe all that we got. The bad guys are fast, they're smart, and they're light. God made us too fat to fight. Now, one of these days, my son will enlist i'll be hiding my tears by his mom he'll be kissed he'll waddle on that drill field and be home by night like his dad he'll be too fat to fight too fat to fight and ain't it is a shame cause war America's game, we got belly.
1: From Santa Monica, this is Le Show. And now, the apologies of the week.
4: We're so sorry.
1: A Japanese hotel boss has apologized for only changing the water in a spa bath twice a year instead of once a week. This is from Business Insider. The traditional Japanese bath, known as an onsen, was found to contain potentially deadly bacteria during a health inspection, according to TV Asahi. Legionella bacteria was found in the Japanese bath at 3700 times the permitted level. According to the report, the bath water, which comes from volcanically heated hot springs, should have been changed weekly to abide by local regulations. Spa baths are popular in Japan. Some even offering visitors the chance to bathe in red wine. <laughs> what a waste. A bacteria can cause, a, well, probably not the best wine. The bacteria can cause a serious type of pneumonia called, see if this rings a bell, Legionnaire's disease, and can also lead to the less serious Pontiac fever, or in the CDC. The baths were temporarily closed last year after the bacteria was detected, but have since been reopened, according to CNN. Makato Yamada, the president of the company that owns the Besso Inn in Chikushino, Chikushino, apologized for the incident during a press conference. Makato Yamada told the press conference, I was not aware of the law myself. I thought that the Legionella bacteria was a common bacterium that could be found anywhere, and also that it was safe because the large baths were free flowing so the water was changed quite often, Unquote. He said the hotel staff had not added chlorine to the water for hygiene reasons, Quote, because we selfishly dislike the smell of chlorine, Unquote. Representatives for the hotel did not immediately respond with a comment. In response to an open letter to the Michigan Technological University's Pep Band, the Huskies Pep Band would like to apologize for the chant that originated in our section at the Friday Night Winter Carnival hockey game against Bowling Green State University. What began as an uncouth expression of frustration between a few members quickly spread within our organization and the rest of the student section. This is a letter to the editor. We are sorry for how far off course our actions were, and it's regrettable we did not realize it sooner. We recognize that our position as a highly visible student organization means we should hold ourselves to a higher standard. Going forward, our leadership is actively discussing ways to prevent any similar behavior. The Huskies Pep Band exists to bring joy to the players and spectators at the events we attend And our actions at that game did not meet those goals. We stand to make our organization a fun face that is known for jeers and chaunts toward opponents with a cute smile. And we're sorry that in that moment, we did the opposite of that. We are always trying to be better. And looking forward, we will continue to do so. I think that's our first pep band apology in the history of this program. Dayline Copenhagen. The Norwegian government apologized this week to reindeer herders after activists spent a week protesting a wind farm they say hinders the rights of the indigenous people in Central and Arctic Norway. They're now called the Sami people. You and I probably better recognize them as the Laps. That's right, from Lapland. Seriously. Quote, I've apologized to the reindeer owners on behalf of the government said the oil and energy minister after um, oh yes, his name is Asland with two A's, well actually with three Uh, he said after meeting with the speaker of the Sami parliament Mr. Mutoka quote they've been in a difficult and unclear situation for a long time, I'm sorry about that said the minister, Mutoka said that receiving an apology had been quote a wish from my side It's crucial for us to move forward. It's important we now have a common perception that we are dealing with a human rights violation, she said after the meeting. The talks did not yield an agreement to resolve the wind farm dispute, said Asland, and we're not ruling out any solutions at this time. The uh, plan was to build Wind Farm where the Sami people raise and herd reindeer. Yes, there really are. St. George, Utah is our next location for our next apology. Educators in the Utah school district said they were told they could lose their jobs if they call out sick for a mental health day. In an apology and clarification email sent following that notice, the Washington County school district said the purpose was to address a growing issue, teachers using sick time For vacation or personal leave. That first email caused some stress and anxiety among the teachers, said the president of the local teachers' union, who was also a second grade teacher in the district. She felt the message sent out put a spotlight on a major disconnect. We spend a lot of time on student mental health. What about educator mental health? Isn't that important as well? She asked. The original email said employees cannot use sick leave to get away from the stresses of work and enjoy some time off. They can use personal leave for that purpose. Unquote. Immediately following the email, the uh, union president said her office was bombarded with emails and phone calls. Jen Oxborough is a licensed clinical social worker. I guess in the St. George area, she, worries even the clarification feels like overreach. Representative Andy Ogles, Republican of Tennessee, admitted to misstating his college history after reports that he embellished his resume in a case echoing the lies of another first-term GOP lawmaker, Representative George Santos. Quote, I personally stated my degree from Middle Tennessee State University was in international relations, Ogles said in a statement. When I pulled my transcript to verify, I realized I was mistaken. My degree is in liberal studies. I apologize for my misstatement. Ogles said he transferred to Middle Tennessee as a a senior to study political science and international relations, but dropped out due to an interfamilial matter and to help his his family financially. He said he completed his studies years later through the university's distance learning program and got a degree in 2007. I was awarded a Bachelor of Science and MTSU mailed me my degree. At the time, it was my understanding I'd completed my course of study in political science and international relations. He said he realized he actually received a broader degree in liberal studies after receiving his official transcript last week. Guess the uh, mail is slower in Tennessee than we expected. He made the disclosure after a report by Nashville's WTVF TV earlier this month raised questions about his background. He touted his experience as an economist during his campaign last year and during recent appearances, but the TV station revealed he never received formal economics training apart from a community college principle of economics course in which he got a C. Speaking of which, some nice people doing nice things. Rupert Murdoch, chairman of uh, Fox, acknowledged in a deposition in the ongoing lawsuit between Dominion voting systems, the voting machine people, and Fox News, that uh, several hosts for his Networks Fox News and Fox Business, promoted the false narrative that the election in 2020 was stolen from the other guy. Uh, that's in tort- uh, court documents released this week. Uh, they endorsed, Murdoch said, under oath in response to direct questions about Sean Hannity, Janine Jeanine Pirro, Lou Dobbs, and Maria Bargaromo. I would have liked m- us to be stronger in denouncing it In hindsight, that's a quote uh, from his uh, deposition last month, Dominion is uh, suing Fox for a lot of money for defamation. Asked by Dominion's lawyer whether he could have ordered Fox News to keep Trump lawyers like Sidney Powell and Rudolph Giuliani off the air, Murdoch responded, I could have, but I didn't. It wasn't red or blue. It was green. Unquote. From the Academy of Mendacious Arts and Sciences, the George Awards continues. Once again, your host, the founder of the Academy, George Santos. Thank you. Thank you. Well, welcome back even though uh, you may not have gone anywhere. Um, Well, wow, what an evening it's been. And of course, I mean, not really, but now we come to the most coveted of our awards, the liar of the year. Uh, And once again, the voters, and by that I mean you, the public, have made themselves heard and ignored. I'm going to open this envelope even though I know the name, the winner of the coveted trophy of the statue of myself rendered in gold-colored aluminum is Chief Executive of the Flux Media Group, Rupert Murdoch. (laughs) Accepting the George Award for Masterful Prevarication
3: is Mr. Murdoch, live from his Manhattan condo. (laughs) Uh, Good evening, and uh, thanks to you, George, and, uh, To your voters, if any, I don't think I need to tell our viewers that lying about the result of a presidential election is not easy. It takes the coordinated efforts of a great number of people, and I'd like to thank some of them tonight. But uh, you could just turn on Fox News, and you'll see and hear most of them right now. I would like to take credit for the strategy that led to this unprecedented series of credible prevarications. But without the tendency of our wonderful viewers to drift off to Newsmax and OAN, we would never have had the idea in the first place. Nor the commitment to defy easily accessible factual information. Our anchors uh, Their devotion to the delivery of the agreed-upon mendacities was masterful, and their uh, daily series of seemingly straight faces was television performance at its finest. I only wish I could share this award with all of them, but as almost everybody watching tonight knows, that would be uh, profoundly out of character. I, I, I know they're trying to hustle me off. But if I know George, that's the only reason he would need to uh, not pay the musicians. But in the spirit of this evening, let me just conclude by saying that I couldn't be prouder if I got a real journalism award tonight. And of course, I'm lying. Thank you and good night. The American Lying Awards continues after these messages, so
1: stick around for the closing credits. All right, now, more apologies. For the second time in a month, an unmuted remote microphone caught a Connecticut state lawmaker abruptly swearing during a legislative public hearing. This time it was six-term representative Mitch Bolinsky, whose expletive occurred about 95 minutes into a hearing last week on public school funding. He was monitoring a meeting from his home. You know, the remote thing. It has spotty Internet service, he claims. The bad connection prompted him to say F you, as a woman was testifying in Spanish about the issue of funding school lunches. Quote, during a recent Appropriations Committee hearing that I participated in remotely from my home, I let my frustrations over outgoing technical problems get the better of me. Bolinsky, a Republican, said, I uttered an, an expletive directed at my computer that was picked up on the microphone and discernible to anyone on the committee feed. While it was not directed at anyone, I apologize for my language. Unquote. The hearing continued on without interruption, despite the obscenity, according to the Middletown Press. Of course, what they really mean is a profanity. Often confused, those two these days. Like jealous and envious sorry can't help it vancouver police say they've apologized to a man who was shot with rubber bullets in a wrongful arrest over a case of mistaken identity how bad can it get police say in a statement officers obtained reliable information last week that a man wanted canada wide for a violent home invasion in calgary was in the city's Town neighborhood suspect, who police thought they were arresting, was considered armed and dangerous and potentially in possession of a firearm, so the department's emergency response team was deployed. Police say during the arrest, officers shot the man with two rubber bullets. The statement says shortly afterwards, police determined the man was not the suspect from the home invasion, and he was released and received medical attention as well as the apology. A North Carolina Volkswagen dealership publicly apologized after oil change reminder stickers placed on 11 customers' vehicles included a racial slur. The uh, store, the dealership, Leith Volkswagen of Raleigh, North Carolina said it found the message was added by a teenager who entered the business after hours with a third-party cleaning crew and tampered with the sticker printing machine. The dealership, in a statement to Automotive News, said it fired the cleaning company and that officials personally contacted the 11 customers within 48 hours to apologize. Quote, we've taken internal steps to ensure this Cannot happen again, the dealership said. We are deeply sorry that this incident occurred. The employees didn't notice the wording on the stickers had been changed when they placed them in the corner of customers' windshields after service appointments. The stickers read, We thank you for your business, followed by the racial slur. The dealership posted an apology on Facebook. Leith Volkswagen deeply regrets and apologizes for a racially insensitive message that was printed on a service reminder card for customers that picked up their vehicles on Saturday, February 25th. The BBC has apologized to J.K. Rowling for the second time in less than a month after she was accused of having transphobic views on a live current affairs show in a discussion about what else Harry Potter stuff on BBC Radio Scotland's Good Morning Scotland A transgender woman said she had boycotted the game because it was being used to fund the anti-trans movement. Carrie Marshall, writer and broadcaster, said, This is having a measurable effect on trans people's lives and potentially our safety, too. I think that's why so many trans people are concerned about this game. BBC said it reviewed audience complaints about the discussion. In a statement, it said the exchange did not meet editorial standards, Debate got into the issue of gender identity and claims were made about J.K. Rowling's views. We accept that the program failed to challenge these claims and acknowledge that our contributors gave their opinions as fact. The BBC said this fell below the rigorous editorial standards we've applied to our broad coverage of trans and gender recognition stories across the BBC, especially at Scotland News and Current Affairs output, and we apologize for that. The ruling came despite another gamer arguing in favor of purchasing the game, saying it was possible to separate the artist from the art. Unquote. Tell that to Wagner. New York Rangers defenseman Keandre Miller apologized this week on Twitter after he was ejected the previous day for spitting on L.A. Kings defenseman Drew Doughty. In the apology, he maintains, the spitting was an accident. I have all the respect in the world for Drew, he said on Twitter, and what happened was completely accidental. I would never intend to do something like that on purpose. It goes against everything I am as a person and player. I felt awful about it, and I'm thankful Drew gave me the opportunity to apologize and explain myself in person after the game. Unquote. In a replay, Miller can be seen spitting in Doughty's face while the two were in close proximity. Whether he meant to do that or not, I don't know, Doughty said. It was a pretty big loogie on my face. Unquote. The apologies of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. <laughs> tip of the show chapeau to the late Wayne Shorter that's it for this week's edition of the show the program returns next week at the same time on this radio station and uh, at your time of choice on your audio device of choice and it would be like Donald Trump giving an even longer speech to CPAC if you would agree to be with me then will you already thank you very much uh-huh. the email address for this program your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts while they last and the playlist of the music here on just part of what's available for you a true cornucopia without the corn at harryshearer.com and me? yes I'm still on Twitter at the Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless.